in the dust. They should, should give me what to say, how to say, what to say, and you know who I'm saying it to. Baruch Hashem, I've been made very aware that most of the chaver here inside this yeshiva did not come here because you needed to see a handsome rabbi like uh, Ay every day. Every day you get such a cutie, you can go and uh, go and hang out with Baruch Hashem. And and as as a result, unfortunately, Hashem sometimes sending us to the darkest times and the darkest places. What happens is because we've had it so hard, and then after that we get it so soft, right? And so it's always hard to figure out the balance of what is it that I really need to grow, what it is I really need to push myself. Especially in these doors, in this generation, is very, very hard. It was something said by the Rebbe Piazesna, Cessna Rebbe, and he said that before the war, <coughs> The way that Hashem led the world, the, world that, the way that Hashem was managing the world was much more so in the way of din. It was much more harder before the war. After the war, it's only by love, and uh, I, think it's by, I think it's by love and chesed. I think those were the two. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was by love and chesed. So we stand at a time right now where there's so much then so much chesed, so much love, everything's all over the place and out of the place and, and nobody really knows exactly what to apply and when to apply it. And Ramchal says in the beginning of Misilat Yesharim, said that as a result of people studying Torah, studying it very, very hard and very, very hard, we was making no differentiation between where the people were in terms of their, their Torah study, but he said, but neglecting to study works of Musar and, and studying them properly, then it's very, very hard for a person to know which neither to apply and at what time and which time or whatever. So as a result of the harsh, harshness that we had to deal with, whatever, dealing with the system, we'll call the system the system. And then after that, then we have to deal with all the pampers and all the softness and everything else. First off, you should know that there's one major Nakuda that everybody needs to know that Hashem is head over the heels in love with every single one of us. Every single one of us. Any time a person, I know you hear it, but hear it from me, I'm telling you I came from the furthest places. Hashem is head over the heels in love with every single one of you. And he will do anything that he possibly can to call out to a person, even if it's something that and our own level of understanding we think is unfair, unjust, not right. Most of the day, Rabbi Nachman says that every single moment of the day, Hashem is doing everything he can to try to wake a person up just a little bit to notice that he's there, just to notice that I'm here and I'm calling for you. I'm not coming to hurt you, but I know what's best for you and I am what's best for you. <clears throat> so I'm doing everything in my, in my power in order to wake you up just a little bit that I can have you close to me because I know that once you're by me that everything is going to be smooth selling. It's going to be okay. Not meaning that we have any ups and downs, but a person that has a shim knows how to live. He knows how to weather the storm. Like Rabbi Akiva when he was going in, in the tides, he knew when to duck his head and when he was able to live with the shim even in the water, even in the, in the, in the hardest places. Another thing a person needs to know Outside of that, Hashem gave a person every single thing that you would need in order to finish your tikkun. Everything that you are going to need and everything that you're going to be able to accomplish is already inside of you. 
Rabbi Nachman says there's only a few items, some pechala that Hashem left for you, that each person was born and brought into this world, and he lost something, and he's supposed to find it. He's got something, but he's supposed to find it. Where did Hashem leave the pechala? He says, by the tzaddikim. Says by the tzaddikim, person has an aveda. You have a lost, you have something over there. Pechel with your name on it, and you need to go pick it up. And once you get it, you're going to discover new levels of avodas Hashem, new levels of kibbutz Hashem. You are going to start flying. You're going to have emuna like you've never had emuna before, and you are going to know Hashem. One time, one of the maskilim came to Rav Nasmi Breslov, and he asked him over there. He says, "How do you know there's a Hashem? Have you seen him?" He said, "Yeah, I saw Hashem." He said, are you sure? Yeah, have you seen it? She said, no, I saw Hashem. Meaning, a boy said, there's an amuna in Hashem that's so real and it's so tangible that it says, if the person saw Hashem, it's a real thing. It says, if the person saw Hashem himself, because the amuna is so strong in Hashem and it's so real that it's as if I saw him. Case in point, how do we know? Right? What comes out of amuna? The tougher, right? Person believes in the Shem, eventually after believing in the Shem, you come to trust the Shem. Because why? We start to know that the Shem does nothing else. Ain't no member though. There's nothing but the Shem. So why, why, would we, why would we put our trust in anything else, right? I didn't see anybody before we sat down check the chair before they sat down. Who checked the chair? We looked and see. Maybe it was crap. Maybe one person, two persons, no person. You, did you check Every your chair? Every single boy checked the chair, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're clever not checking our chairs. Unless we have a reason to check our chairs. Why would we check our chairs generally? It's just a habit. I mean, I, you're not, for big guys, it's a habit. I, have, I, had, I had a big habit of checking <laughs> chairs, you know. 70 pounds earlier. <laughs> for the best, right? No. But when you check the chair, you just want to see if there's a small crack or something. You're not going like this to see if it's going to hold you up. Any of those type of things, people don't do that. Why don't they do it? Because there's a belief already. They already have a muna that the chair is going to hold them. They already believe. They don't need to think about that. They sat in enough chairs. They know what a chair looks like. And when they go to sit down, they go and sit inside the chair. Right? And they don't even think twice about it, you know, unless you've had a few falls. You know? Unless you're a big guy, you know that uh, not every chair is going to happen. I remember, Baruch Hashem, I've graduated from stacking chairs to sitting in one plastic chair at a time, Baruch Hashem. So anybody that <laughs> knows what it's like to have experienced some falls, and, you know, other than that, we don't check our chairs. So the MS is, is that there's a place in a Muna, in a Shem, that we can get to such a place where we don't got to check anything. We know Hashem's got us, and we know Hashem's there. And there's a deep nakuda inside of each and every one of us where everything is already there. I'm sorry, already, disclaimer, I'm not going to be pushing uh, everybody to be learning Torah because that's all you're going to hear your whole entire life from the Torah world is learn Torah, learn Torah, learn Torah. Okay, bro, Hashem, I'm going to be telling you something else. I'm going to tell you that there's a Torah very, very deep inside of you. I'm going to share with you one of my favorite stories that you probably heard before, but since it's my favorite story, I'm going to tell it over to you again. There's a beautiful story of Reb Zusha, Manny Poli, that one of his Talmudim came to him once. And this Talmud came to him and he said to him that my father was an early year. His father was a religious Jew, you know, had Torahs and mitzvahs, he was very serious. He said that my father, after he passed on, he's come to me three nights in a row telling me that I need to convert to Christianity. Three nights in a row. 
and he's sitting in, at the table of Zusha, he tells him the story, and Reb Zusha starts scratching, rubbing his head, and he looks up at his Talmud and he says to him, I want you to go to your father's grave, I want you to dig it up, and I want you to remove the cross that they threw inside on his they threw something on his, uh, on his, uh, in his grave, and I want you to go and take it out. After that, you should be fine. So he goes to the cemetery, digs it up, and lo and behold, there's a, there's a cross that one of the Galatim men threw in there. Closes it back up, the dream stopped. And as you can imagine, imagine the story became very, very famous, and it travels all the way back across the way to Vilna. And they tell over this story to the, to the Gaon of Vilna, and uh, he's walking back and forth, and he's so perplexed at this story. And so the Talmudim around him ask him, like, you know, what's so perplexing? Why is this hard for you to, you know, <coughs> to, to make with? So the Vilna Gaon says, it's not the story really that bothers me. It's just the fact that, you know, Hasidim, you know, they don't learn Gemara. And the only way that he would have been able to know this is if he would have learned a certain piece of the Yerushalmi. And everybody knows the Sidim don't learn Gemara. So I'm, it's perplexing <laughs> for me how Vavzusha was able to come to such a conclusion. So with the Vilna Gon, what he said, travels all the way back to Antipoli and gets to Vavzusha. And Yitzhak Vavzusha says that the only way you would have known this if you would have learned uh, a certain, certain, certain daf in the, in the Yerushalmi, and everybody knows Hasidim don't learn, so, you know, where'd you get this from? So Mabzusha laughs, he chuckles, and he says that uh, he's right. I didn't get it from the Yerushalmi, but I got it from where the Yerushalmi got it from. That's where I got it from. Meaning, and the, the nimshal in this is that inside of us, Hashim has given us every single thing, every single piece of light, every single, every single a uh, 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 piece of, of emes has already been inside of you. It's been programmed inside of you. And as much as Hashem loves us and He wants us close to us and He's going out of His way all day long just to reach, to, just that we would notice Hashem just even a little bit. Hashem is an honor. Says so Moshe Rabbeinu, how did He learn His anibus? He was spending 60 years in the desert. 60 years in the desert out there with Hashem. And he learned Anibus. Even after that, he comes in and, and brings a whole nation outside of another nation after this. And everybody's coming up to him ready. And after that, he still gets to be permitted to write on himself that he was the most humble person ever walked. How did he learn such Anibus? He learned it from spending time with Hashem. Hashem is an honor. Hashem is an honor. Hashem doesn't stop nature and all these things in order for a person to notice him. But he's subtle. He's quiet. Like it says in uh, Malachim when he was speaking to Eliyahu and Avi, where his voice, Hashem is not in the earthquake, he's not in the, in the wind, he's not in the, Hashem is a small, still voice speaking to us every day. Rav Hashem had the privilege of being a student of Rav, Rav Arush, and I remember once him being asked, and me being there when he was asked, how do you know when something's yet Sahara, and how do you know when it's Hashem? Because it's very, very hard to distinguish sometimes. Sometimes the Yetzirah dresses up in a black suit. He has a beard and, 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 and a black hat and, and everything else. And it could be Mamash the Yetzirah. By the way, he knows more Torah than we do. Anyway. 
So we never know really what's the emiss, what's not the emiss. So how are we able to differentiate when we're, when we're being pressed to do something, even if it feels like it's a mitzvah, but we don't really know. We don't really know. So Rabbi and his genius, answered like this. He says that when something is approaching, it's come to you, and it's pressing, and it won't stop, and it's loud, and it's pushing you, that's how you know it's the Yetzirah. Because Hashem's voice is thin, small, quiet, still voice. Quiet, still voice. The problem we have, that we're unable to hear Hashem when He's calling out to us, is because there's so much noise going on all the time. It's impossible to hear call Hashem. It's impossible. The world is crazy. The rain in Manchester drowns it out. You can't hear a shim. Right? Very, very hard. Probably can hear a shim a lot better in the rain than you can in the sun. Honestly, a lot of preachers comes out when the sun comes out. But the shim, at least it's to keep people's clothes on for a little bit. <clears throat> but it's very, very hard <clears throat> to hear a shim <clears throat> with everything else. All the gadgets, the loud music and these Black Jewish rappers and everything else. It's so loud. Everything's loud all the time that we can't hear Hashem. So there's a wonderful solution for this, being able to hear Hashem. Thank you. I'm so happy you're joining us, by the way. It's a big mila. More than anything else that I've that I've that I've seen, and I, and I'm telling you this, I'm not pushing on to you to, to oh you gotta start, you gotta start, you gotta start, you gotta. Only reason why I'm not doing this is because you'll hear it already. And take this as, as as insert this. I would say add this as an extra, but I'm not gonna tell you add it as extra. Put this underneath everything else that everybody else is going to tell you. The wonderful art of his godliness of talking to Hashem. And getting yourself away from the rest of the world. I can promise you this. I can promise you this as, as, as a person who has devoted my life to this. Your life will be a different life. Your relationship to Hashem is a different type of relationship. Your relationship to Yiddishkeit is a different type of relationship. Everything changes. It's a brand new thing once you take on the old of talking to Hashem every single day to get away from the rest of the world, to be alone, and to get to know Hashem. It's very, very, very important. It's tough. This is why we're here. Hashem says that why do we suffer? It says my people suffer for a lack of das. as a lack of knowledge. What do we not know? <clears throat> Every time the word <clears throat> das is coming up just about in the Chassidah Shisafarim, it's talking about a Kesher, a Das, a, a, a certain knowing that there's a Kesher. In the same way that Adam Nuchava has a certain level of intimacy with that, with that Das. That's not enough to know about. A lot of people know about Hashem. There's been people learning in Yeshiva for 30, 40, 50 years and they know about Hashem. And it's not about the book. It's not about... A lot of people are not Dabak to Hashem, they're Dabak to textbooks. And it's college. In college, for 40, 50 years, it's been an intellectual exercise. I'm not to down anybody, but didn't change or didn't move one single meter about themselves at all. But they've been learning. That can't be tachlis. That can't be tachlis. And in all the learning, they never picked up the book after which everybody's called the people of the book. Nobody learned Tanakh even. <laughs> they learned Tanakh. They learned Tanakh. But... I'm being, I'm being, I'm being, being honest with you. I'm not here to shoot anybody down. I'm just being honest with you. Hashem wants to live. He wants us to be close to Him. He wants us to know 
who he is. Know your father. Know who he is. You have to know who he is. The best way to do that is to communicate. There's no way to have a relationship with anybody unless you're communicating with them. Not only marriage, friendship. You have friends because you communicate with them. The moment you're not communicating with people, they're not your friends. No matter how much you love them, I understand you can have people be distant, relevant, and yes, we call them friends. They are friends, right? <clears throat> Doesn't take away <clears throat> the fact that we have a bond or that we have a, that we have a relationship with somebody. But that relationship is not actualized without the communication. So many things can change. People change over the years. I have many friends that, that I grew up with, they have changed a lot, you know. Unfortunately, a lot, a lot of them for the worst. But they've changed a lot. And there's no real connection between us. And, and, and there's no communication, large, largely because we have nothing to communicate about. We don't even, we're not even in the same world. But Hashem is close to everyone who calls upon him be'emet, in truth. When we're talking to Hashem with truth, means from your nakuda, what you're going through, and from your place, and where you're at, that you could call out to Hashem from that place, and Hashem will come close to you. Hashem is close to all who call upon him in truth. And if you draw close to him, Hashem will draw close to you. There's no doubt about it. I guarantee that I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it with my own eyes. Tefillahs after tefillahs after tefillah. And the main reason why we need to get away from everybody else, why his bodhid is to be bodhid, to be alone, away from everybody else, is because of all the noise. And only the noise itself, actual places, areas, once you're around, other people, whatever, has hashpah on you. The Rambam says that if a person finds that they're in a certain locale, certain place, and they see that there's no tzaddikim there, right? They need to move to a place with our tzaddikim. He says if he goes over there and he finds out the whole entire thing is a, is a hoax, right? There's no real tzaddikim over there also. He said it's better for the person to dwell and live alone than to have the hashpah of these people on him. I thought about something amazing. Rabbi Nachman, when he gives his eitzah for his bodhidus and lakotem aran to a noon base, he talks about a person not only going to seclude himself, but he says a person needs to go outside of the city and he needs to go and talk to Hashem at night, in the middle of the night, outside the city. I don't recommend this for everybody who's scared of wild animals, but it's the, it's the main answer that he gives. At night, outside the city, and he needs to go to a place where people don't walk either by day or by night. And he says, and if the person goes there, he can be mavato everything. He can mamash reach the highest level of bitul to Hashem, and he can have the highest level of kesha with Hashem if he does this, if he listens, if he does this eitzim. So I start thinking about this, and I start thinking about this this Rambam, right? Both of them are very, very they're connected. How? There's a story of the Baal Shem told. He was walking with a few of his talmidim through the forest. And was one of his Talmudim who was standing in a particular place. And he started having bad thoughts. Bad Yehurim. And the Baal Shem Tov looks over to him and he says, You know why you're having these thoughts? He says, Because in the place where you're standing, somebody was murdered. And you standing there is giving you a on what happened previously. So you're starting to have bad Yehurim. So in other words, it's very, very hard for a person to come to a place of bitu. Even if he picks a makom himself, it, it, the, the makom itself 
isn't conducive for the person to be able to cry out to Hashem properly. So let alone, can you imagine how much it is when you hear about the noise, <clears throat> all, the, all, the, all the nonsense that's going on daily, and the news, look how many people are ending up in the, in the crazy houses this year because of the news, the news, all the fear-mongering, everything else that they got going on. It's, the whole world is going crazier and crazier. Which means that there's a bigger need for us to hear Kol Hashem in this generation more than it has ever been in any other generation. To hear the voice of Hashem as much as we possibly can. I'm going to tell you a personal story based on this concept. Personally, I experienced it. I was there. I watched it myself. I moved into an apartment. I used to work in property management in Seattle. I ended up taking an apartment. It was a three-bedroom apartment. <clears throat> and <clears throat> no, four bedroom apartment. You think? It's me and my wife, we have one kid. There's no reason for us to have it. I just got a super discount, so I just took a big apartment for no reason. So, anyway, it ended up working out because my brother in law and sister in law also moved in there, whatever. But it's safe to say, during this, this, this living in this apartment was really the beginning of, of my truth and my returning to Hashem. Long before I knew anything about Rabbi Nachman, long before I knew anything about his this, I was talking to Hashem crying. At this point in my life, I was fasting. I would take three days. I would go and fast, begging Hashem for the truth. I didn't know the difference between, or I didn't know the Emes, if it was Christianity, if it was Judaism, Islam. I was crying out to Hashem, just looking for the truth, just looking for the truth, begging Hashem. Hours and hours and hours of tefillah, eyes, bloodshot red, crying to Hashem. This is what I was doing. Fasting, three days in a row, going with no food. I'm, I'm telling you, the Emmas. This, this apartment, this apartment was filled with this. And this apartment is where I came to Yiddishkeit. So, I'm just giving you that little bit of a background so you can understand. When I say I was, I was talking to Hashem, I was serious business. So, Finally, we, we realized that we wanted to be Megaya. We had to move out and move into the community that we were going to be Megaya. Me, my wife, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. And we moved. My apartment was available. I remember it was a three-bedroom apartment. Sorry, it wasn't a four-bedroom apartment. This is how I remember. There was a lady who lived inside the complex who was on public housing, Section 8 public housing. And the voucher that they gave her was originally two-bedroom, but she had too many people living inside the house, so they eventually moved up her uh, voucher to a three-bedroom. There was no three-bedrooms available in the whole entire complex. All of them were, you know, completely full. And she was living off of Social Security. She didn't necessarily have money to go rent another apartment or, or to hire movers even for that, for that matter. So she stopped. She has to take my apartment. What's the problem with my apartment? My apartment was on the ground floor. This woman, unfortunately, had been violated. Somebody had broken through her house before. She had been raped. She was very, very afraid. She had the biggest phobia from living on the ground floor. She came into the office crying in tears, begging that there'd be some other way, if she could hold out. But her back's against the wall. If she doesn't move soon, she's going to lose her Section 8 voucher. And if she doesn't move there, she doesn't have too many options that she, that she, can, uh, that she can depend on. So, story ends, she has to move into the apartment. She moves in. She's in the apartment for about two and a half weeks or something like this. 
she ends up walking into the to the main office, and she comes up to me with tears in her eyes. She's got a balloon, some gift, or a card, and and a cup, and she comes and puts. And this happens in front of everybody. And she says, "I brought you this because I know you prayed in this apartment, and you can't understand. I got chills running up on me because I know how much I prayed in that apartment." She says, I know you prayed in this apartment. She said, I want to tell you, I never felt the presence of God so strong in my life as I do in this apartment. I've never felt more safe. And she said, I feel like God is in the walls in this place. And I got chills. Mommy's got chills. What a person does, when a person cries out to Hashem, your mom should holy light into that place. Holy light. And you can bring down Hashem literally in a place where Hashem's presence would have never been recognized before. And this lady was not Jewish, but she obviously was very spiritually sensitive. And Hashem, she's a very sweet lady, but I don't know how, how much of a Christian she was either. <laughs> Whatever. Just being honest. But she was able to recognize it. The hashpa, the hashpa of a makom, a person builds a makom when you go. And you separate yourself from the rest of the world. You go to a certain place. You can bring Hashem's presence over there and be mevato everything. And you will get to know Hashem. It's important as we get into these next, this next phase of wherever humanity is going, whatever's going on right now in this world, it's only getting darker. It's only getting darker. So it's going to be depending on all of us to bring Hashem's light to this world. Like we know Hashem. Crying out to Hashem. Spending time with Hashem. Getting to know Hashem is so important. It's not, it's not a game. Nobody can tell me. I've seen so much with my own eyes. I've experienced so much with my own life. I, have, I haven't had the slightest effect that there's a Hashem in the world and that Hashem is in the business of doing just as big a miracles as he did during Yeti. I'm sorry. I don't buy none of it. You're not going to tell. You're not selling me there's no Naboo in this generation. And all this other, I don't believe. But first off, we know already from the Navi before Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to return all these things back to the cloud. We don't know necessarily if it's coming directly, all at one point, how it's going to look out. Nobody's got the handbook on any of these things. I've seen Hashem. I'm being honest with you. I don't need to sell you on anything. There's no no benefit for me other than the fact that there's going to be a few more hidden that get to know the Father in Heaven a lot more. There's no other benefit for me. I'm not selling you on anything. I broke Hashem. I didn't have the challenge of growing up in England where people don't believe in Hashem. So it may be a little bit easier for me. But the emphasis is that each and every single one of you, if you can, take it upon yourself to spend some time getting to know your Father in Heaven, going to speak to Hashem in your own words, and learning everything else is going to be there. You want to learn something? I, I advise people to take Tanakh and learn it. I said the Tanakh on the I think he's well known, but he's not known enough. He's one of our favorite. His name is Lady Rabbah. <laughs> if you know Lady, you're blessed. If you don't know Lady, you need to get blessed and listen to you some Lady Rabbah. Girl, for sure, I was zoning to work with him on this track. It's a very soft and beautiful track. The words are very important. I'll try it afterwards. It's a little bit like a color. But in order for me to do this, so I need some light. You guys have a light? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You told me what it is? It's a good thing to talk about. I like this guy. <laughs> I need lights, I need lights, I need lights.
I, 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 I'm worried about everybody's battery, okay? So I only chose two songs to ask for lights. This is one of them. Lights, more lights in the back. Oh, in the back, more lights, more lights. This is beautiful. More lights. Oh. A thing, a thing, a more. more lights, more lights. Okay. I think we're ready.
Sound.